0: thing is, you didn't learn how to write like this in grad school, right? You didn't learn how to market yourself in grad school. That's not what we learn. You didn't learn SEO. You didn't learn how to write a blog. You didn't learn how to write your website. So, you know, while there are many uh, therapists out there who are writers and who enjoy writing and even the ones who like writing blogs and like writing websites, they don't have time. Like you mentioned, they need self-care too. And so that was another piece once I started working with therapists that I realized I'm helping them give them time back so that they can do the things that they want to do.
1: Everyone, Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Allie Lynn. She is a freelance copywriter for therapists. She is a former therapist herself, but after working for four years in inpatient psychiatric hospitals, And one year in an outpatient setting with children and teens with autism, she felt extremely burnt out and left the field. She started her own copywriting business to help therapists market themselves to their ideal clients and build brand authority, as well as help her stay connected to the field of therapy. I love that, brand authority. Hi, Allie. Hi, Robin. Hi, thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, I'm super, super excited. I follow your Instagram, which... We'll touch on later. But yeah, you have like really great stuff, you know. And so I'm super excited. I have a lot of questions. Um, So how how did you go from being a therapist to a copywriter? It's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So as you mentioned in your intro, I did four years in inpatient psych and then a year with kids with autism. By the time I left inpatient psych, I was so burnt out that my mental health and my physical health had declined so badly that by the time I got to the kids with autism, I was just already done and lasted maybe a year. And then I took about a year and a half off and just did little side jobs here and there and didn't know what to do and i met a freelance writer during that time she doesn't write for mental health, but she told me what freelance writing is. And, um, my husband travels a lot for work. So I realized I could have a job where I could travel with him and be completely location independent, make my own schedule and stay connected to the field of therapy because I knew I wanted to write for therapists. Um, I ended up taking a course, uh, that I saw on Instagram (laughs) and, um, I finally dove in in uh, February of 2020, and by April of 2020, I had my first paying client. So it was a windy road um, and kind of doesn't make sense, but also like kind of does in my brain uh, because it really led me to something I really love.
1: That is so interesting. It's interesting where things lead in like the path, and it sounds like for you it's kind of to me, it makes sense. I mean, it sounds like it was pretty natural, which is pretty cool how it just one thing kind of led to another. And that's a huge benefit, you know, having some experience like in the field for the writing that you do, because it's for us, it's um, it's so targeted and, and specific and it's specific to a certain target audience.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things I think that is helpful that my clients have said is that they don't need to explain what they do to me I get it I've worked with many populations being in inpatient psych I've seen a lot of trauma I work with a lot of trauma therapists
1: you know we talked about like burnout and I think um it's it's so interesting because it sounds like you have a wonderful like work-life balance like that's the benefit of you being able to like travel and write I think that is um that is so wonderful was, was self-care at all also like a part of, you know, what led you to being, being a copywriter?
0: Yes, because when I was practicing therapy, I was not practicing self-care. Mm-hmm. I would go to the hospital in the morning. I would spend all day in crisis mode and trying to, you know, just manage issue after issue after issue. I would come home. I would eat hummus or popcorn. I would lay on the couch and I would fall asleep. I stopped going to yoga. I'm a dancer. I stopped dancing. I stopped doing anything. I I walked my dog. That was the only exercise I got. So self-care didn't exist for me when I was a therapist. And it took a long time when I wasn't working to figure out what brought me joy because nothing did for a long time. And so now I have time in my day to find
1: things that bring me joy. Yeah. And I think of it like also the other way where it's like you get self care, um, through the work that you do. And because of the work that you do, it helps therapists get self care because writing is a lot of work. And I remember when I think back to when I was creating my, my website, I can't, I can't even count how many revisions I did the first, um, the first year. And you know, I've been a therapist for almost 10 years and I'm like, why can't I explain what I do? It's it's very um it it was very hard for me, interestingly, to uh define the words, keywords, how to describe it, how to describe it in a way where the reader or potential clients that want services, they resonate with it. So I think it's also like it's a skill, but it's so I've I've That's why I said, like, you're getting self-care and then the therapist too, because it is a lot of work to do that. And then there's a whole blog writing. That's like a whole nother, you know, area too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And the thing is, you didn't learn how to write like this in grad school, right? You didn't learn how to market yourself in grad school. That's not what we learn. You didn't learn SEO. You didn't learn how to write a blog. You didn't learn how to write your website. So, you know, while there are many uh therapists out there who are writers and who enjoy writing and even the ones who like writing blogs and like writing websites they don't have time like you mentioned they need self-care too and so that was another piece once I started working with therapists that I realized I'm helping them give them time back so that they can do the things that they want to do.
1: hmm. Definitely I I think um, you know what I'm for myself because I'll speak for myself but like as therapists I think um, you know it's important to know too that it's okay to outsource it's okay to ask for help I think and there's so much like worries and uh control and perfectionism I think even within like the private practice world where sometimes we like think that we need to do it all you know or it's scary to not do it all but it can be so beneficial to bring on somebody that is good at what they do and that are more than happy to take just that piece that piece of the business and and really 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 make it good right
0: yeah absolutely and i think also again because i was a therapist there's more trust there you know when i'm talking to someone before i write for them I can understand their jargon and then translate it into non-jargon so that your audience and potential clients understand what we're talking about. But I start where you are. Just like you start where your client is, I start where you are as my client.
1: So what, um, you know, I think it's amazing too. So it's been a few, two years, you said like 2020, you know, that you started it. Like, that's amazing. What's been helpful as far as like, Working, you know, with therapists, I know I mentioned kind of just, you know, being open minded to, um, you know, to outsourcing. And but what is what is the collaboration process look like when it when it comes to this? Yes.
0: So the first thing is the um, discovery call. Um, some people call it a sales call. I like to call it a discovery call because I'm discovering you and you're discovering me. Um, and that's usually 30 minutes. And we chat about what your needs are, what, how you think I can help, um, who your ideal client is, which is huge in copywriting. Um, and sometimes working with therapists, they realize who their ideal client is through the writing process, uh, which is interesting. But so after that discovery call, I'll write a proposal, we'll um, have a chat back and forth in email, and then if someone wants to move forward, then what we do is we sit down and we have what I call a content strategy session, where we get on Zoom and we talk about all the things that your ideal client goes through, that you go through as a therapist, what your practice is, what you do as a therapist with your clients, who your um who your client is, like your client avatar. Um, We'll also talk about pain points. So we'll go through, usually it's an hour, and we'll go through the whole process, um, and then I'll go away and write whatever it is I'm writing for you, whether it's your website or your blogs or Psychology Today profiles. Those are the main things I write. I do write emails, um, sometimes newsletters, but those three things are what I mainly write. So that's the process. I do have a um, a questionnaire that I also might give if I'm doing a Psychology Today profile because it gives me the language that you use to describe yourself, uh, which is super helpful because if I get 30 minutes with you, or even just an hour with you to try to figure you out, I need more language to hear how do you talk and how would you describe yourself? What are your values? What do you want your clients to think of you? That kind of thing.
1: What is um? I've heard this before, but I'm going to ask this question because I think the listeners may be curious. What is the avatar?
0: Okay. So an ideal client avatar is the person that you would describe as your ideal client. So what is their gender? What is their age? How much money do they make? What job do they do? What do they like? What are their hobbies? Are they married? Do they have kids? X, Y, Z. So like really honing in on who is the... The main person I want to work with, and I'll tell you, I know that a lot of therapists are afraid to niche down because they're afraid that they won't get enough people. But honestly, not to tell you therapists what to do, but if you're talking to everyone, you're really talking to no one.
1: Yes, I I fully agree with that. And I think in some ways that makes it harder to write even if it was to everyone. I think I noticed it could, it's a different feel too when it's like targeted or niched as opposed to more general because I think even the reader is like where's me in this or is this me because I think the the person that's looking for services they're probably going to want to see themselves or resonate with whatever the text is and what's what's being said to be like that is exactly me and it's hard for that to happen if you if it's just kind of writing to a general general audience right
0: Yes, absolutely. And I will say too, it's so important to, in your writing, talk to directly to the person. Use the words you more than you use the words I. Even your about page is not about you. I mean, it's a little bit about you, but really it's about how you're going to help the client and how your experience is going to help them.
1: Yeah. I fully agree. So niching. So when it comes to niching, that's um, it could be populations, right? It could be like diagnoses. It sounds like ages and all that. And then the avatar then sounds like even more specific. It's like even more specific to really honing in on that niche and maybe what the ideal client is like from your niche.
0: Absolutely. So it doesn't, all your clients aren't going to be your ideal client avatar, but it's a good place to start, especially like you said, when you're talking, you want your audience to feel like you're talking right to them. And so if you can think of who that one person is, you know, you can kind of get a picture of who you're talking to and what you're going to say to them and how you would speak to the, the ideal client avatar. If that person was in front of you, what would
1: you say to them? Yeah, this sounds very, very helpful. And then, and I like how you through your appointments, like you really walk the therapist through that process, because like you said, like we didn't, at least my program, didn't even have like a private practice course and then how to run it. And then now you know this day and age and i think especially with um the pandemic and a lot of us doing primarily video therapy the website is everything
0: yes absolutely
1: yeah anything i didn't ask about um like your collaboration process or um you know what it looks like with the therapist that you would want the listeners to know
0: Sure. So one other thing that I didn't mention is that once I go away and write, um, I write in Google Docs so that I share it with you, if you're my client, and you have the opportunity to edit and comment. So I give you two rounds, unless it's a psychology profile, you get one round because that's a short thing. But blogs, emails, websites, you get two rounds, and we kind of go back and forth. So you really have a lot of say in What I'm writing, which is super important. I've had clients, brand new clients. I wrote a blog and she, you know, wrote in the comments like, I wouldn't say it like this. This is what I would say. And I was like, oh, thank you. I didn't know that, you know, or my clients don't experience this. They experience this other thing. So again, you know, and, and that's the learning process back and forth through that shared editing process. And I know a lot of people have said, you know, in testimonials or just to me, that shared editing process is so helpful.
1: Yeah, I, I that sounds really, really nice. I think that's something I didn't even think of, you know, because it's, it's pretty unknown in what that looks like, but it sounds like there's a lot. There can be revisions. There's still that working together, collaborating and really editing it together, which sounds really nice. Yeah, I think
0: it's super important. And it gives it gives you as the client, as my client, a sense of, um, you know, say in it, like because it's a very vulnerable process handing over your words to someone else. That's very vulnerable. And um I try to recognize that when I speak to my clients. Like, listen, I understand that this is vulnerable. I see you. I hear you. I'm with you and you have every opportunity to say, Yes, no, let's go, stop, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um is for the blog writing, is that process similar? Yes. As yeah. do you
0: mean as opposed to websites?
1: Yeah. So
0: it's a little different just because um, you're not thinking. When I write a website, you have to think about the entire website. So for keyword research, you mentioned keywords when you were talking about your website. Keywords are a huge part of SEO, which is what's going to get you found online. So when I'm writing a website, I need to think about what the keywords are for each individual uh, page because they can't be the same. So when I write a blog, I'm only writing this, you know, these keywords for this blog. Um, so it's still the same length because with, for SEO and for Google purposes, you want to write about a thousand words, um, or more on your blog and on your website page. Google will not index anything below that.
1: Good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, um, for the blog writing, and, and, and as you describe that, I can't help but think of like, how SEO, like all the analytics, indexing all that—it's like almost like math in a way. Like you have to hit like key key markers to show up. Whereas I think some of us are just like, oh, just write. That's what I usually do. I'm just like typing away. Um, But there's actually a huge strategy to it in order to even get acknowledged or noticed by Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And the pro- the thing about Google is no one knows how it works even the experts. And the algorithms are always changing, like always changing. So it's hard to keep up and it's hard to know what the right answer is. So we all have a, those of us who do what I do have a big general idea of how SEO works, but Google just is changing all the time.
1: Oh boy. That's a lot to keep track of.
0: (laughs) 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 It is. Let's see. What else? You know, I tend to write. I've written for a couple um clinics and, and bigger organizations, but I love writing for therapists and private practice. That's really I niche down when I first started writing. I was writing just any mental health person that I could find come at me and I'll take you. But now I really focus on therapists and private practice. And I think it's because it's it's a, it's a very, you know, it's an intimate relationship. And so it's really a lot easier on me to work with someone one on one and, um, and get really a sense of who they are and who their practice is, which is much harder than writing for a bigger organization and working with like the marketing team, which is fine, but I never get to work with the person whose vision it is. So that's something that's been really um, my thing this past year has really been niching down to private practice therapists and I think that it um, really changes the dynamic of when you're writing and like I talked about before that collaboration I think is so much it, it happens so much more when you're working one to one with a uh, private practice and also the other thing is like you said people in private practice think you need to do it all yourself and you don't and when you work for a large organization you usually have a marketing team and you in private practice probably don't
1: <laughs>
0: it's just you and your computer or your office if you've got it if you're seeing people in in person but it's just you so I want to be there to help take away some of that burden give you some self-care time back and take away the mystery of SEO and writing in general.
1: Yeah. This is super helpful. I think for me, I think one thing I had to kind of do is like this whole mind shift, you know, because I think about it as like, well, I'm just I'm doing what I love. It's my passion, you know, fun. Um, And then I had to shift into more like I'm technically like a CEO and like a business owner, like really, really embracing that almost compartmentalizing like there's like the therapist part of me and then there's the part of me that's also this business owner and someone that's a business owner you can think of any business out there even big ones that owner is not doing everything and if they did that would be they probably wouldn't sleep that'd be very hard It'd be very stressful so I think you know maybe for the listeners too to know is like um getting in that mindset because a ceo and a business owner is probably not going to be doing some of these things. They'd have like a team of people. So like, you're mm-hmm. like almost like part of the team, you know, like we're some, like handing that, you know, to you um because you're great at it, you know? And so it's kind of letting go in a way, but also thinking of how we see ourselves. I think our identity as private practice owners, because private practice owners were business owners, you know?
0: And so are copywriters who start their own business. So I think that's, you bring up something that just, made me think like, oh, I also get you because I am you, because I'm my own CEO and business owner. So I understand what it's like to have to do everything on your own. So I, I just thought of that. I had never thought of that before, that the, the similarity between a private practice owner and a copywriter who writes and works for herself.
1: Yeah. So you get it, right? Yeah. right too. <laughs> yeah, yeah since since starting your you know your business and doing copywriting have you and maybe this is even in one some of the testimonials that you've received like have you received any really interesting shocking surprising like messages or dms or anything like that from your from the work that you've um you know provided to private practice owners or group owners or whoever
0: yeah I had one time um I was doing a services page for someone and I recorded the call and I went back through the call and I typed out mostly what this person said. And I thought that I had arranged it in a way that he wanted. He said it, I wrote it, and he was very unhappy with it because he said, I basically did a transcription of our conversation But our conversation was such that he didn't need me to write it. He was saying all the words out loud. Like he had it. So I learned that. I needed to ask more questions about what he wanted and he learned that I didn't know what to ask. So that was, a, that was a difficult one. Um, that was about a year ago. That one really hurt. Um, I had one again about a year ago who told me that I was incredibly redundant. Um, and I had a hard time understanding that because I read through it and I was like, but I'm saying the things you said you just said it in different ways. So we're saying it in different ways. And so um hearing feedback like that, you know, one time I wrote um an about page for someone and I didn't, this was so early on, this was like third month in and I didn't, um, ask the right questions I didn't know what questions to ask for his about page and he came back and was like this isn't what I wanted what did you do I don't like this like I'm I'm and I to the point where I refunded him um and I had another client who is of a different culture than me and she reached out and wanted to know if I could write about racism and in the time I was like yeah sure why not and it did not go well. And she was not happy with me and said I lacked integrity and um just a and I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I should I know I know now that I need to be um careful with who I work with. And I also need to ask more and the right questions. So those are some of the feedback that I got that were really painful. Um, but like I said, they were within the first year. And I think I've learned a lot since then. And if if someone's been unhappy, they haven't told me about it. So <laughs> I've gotten really good feedback and testimonials lately. And, and it feels like things are going really well. So I think, you know, you just have to get over that first hurdle, whatever that is. For me, it was that first year, but it could be longer or shorter for someone else.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting in the beginning, like that learning curve, I experienced that as like, a business owner, and like, just figuring that all out and like navigating that, that world. So it can be really, really hard. And it sounds like though, like, even though that was difficult, you know, and I reflect back on like the start of this episode, and like, how you spoke about how collaborative you are and really the communication and going back and forth. Like, even though that was like really difficult, you know, I, I wonder if it was in some ways helpful because it now has allowed you to kind of generate this like system actually that you have in like working with clients.
0: Yeah. And I will say something that popped in my head was I started learning how to ask the right questions by talking to other copywriters. And I think that's really important I created a network for myself of about five or six copywriters, and we talk semi-regularly, maybe every other week, or I have a couple that I talk to every week sometimes if our schedules allow it, and we're in all different niches. I have one person that's in my niche, but everyone else is in different niches, and so it's been really helpful having that network to gather well how do you do this and how, what would you say to this person and they're like oh my gosh i had this nightmare client how did what how did i get here um you know what would you have done and so i think about that as therapists too because I think it's important that you have your network of therapists to talk to and bounce ideas off of. Because when I worked in the psychiatric hospital, that was the only way I got through my day was the other therapist in the room. And so when you're by yourself, like I am and like you are, it can be really lonely and really hard to learn the business side of it. Am I doing this correctly? Am I, again, for me, asking the right questions? Am I going down the right path? Have I gotten all the information I need? All that kind of stuff. I think that for, for, for therapists in private practice and for copywriters, it's equally as important to have a network.
1: Yeah, that is something I definitely when I think of like MythBusters, you know, like in a way. Like I remember when I first um got into the field, where it was like, oh my gosh, like I need to know it all now, and it's just on me, and I'm just gonna be by myself thinking about it. And private practice is very isolating, even before the pandemic. Um, and this year at a group practice, but I, I'm solo. And um, and then what I came to like learn, you know, as you had mentioned, is the importance of community and having like a network of people um, to where I am so thankful for them and just bouncing off ideas or just chatting and it's it helps to get through it but also in a way I learn from others things that I didn't know and maybe these are more seasoned people in private practice or they have like their system or you know why reinvent the wheel you know so it is so that's also you know going with like it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to ask for help you know it's okay to talk to others and as business owners we um we do the same and I think that takes it so much further I've done like so many like like business courses for like private practice owners and like I have my own uh, network of therapists where I run some like consultation groups because it's why not you know like as therapists and just businesses and owners in general, it's, it's really hard and there's a lot, there's a lot of work. And if you're just by yourself, that's like, Oh my gosh, it's like so much like pressure. And then if you have questions, where do you go? You know? Absolutely. And I was just thinking like, you know,
0: I mean, not everyone in private practice maybe is in supervision, but the importance of having something like supervision or a network in general, you know, for me, Um, I have a business coach and that has been invaluable um, because she is like, she looks at the whole picture, not just my business, how much money am I making? How am I handling things? But like how are you doing? What is success for you? We're working on that right now. What does success mean? And so having someone to talk to who is of a different expertise and having my network is really important.
1: Yeah, definitely. We all come together for each other. Yep. <laughs> Well, before we end, if the listeners want to find out more about you or like, you know, reach out or connect with you, where could they go? Do you have like a website or social media handles for them?
0: I do. So my website is com, And my uh, Instagram handle is also LynnRights. So I'm easy to find. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be pretty active on Instagram. Um, sometimes I, I let it lapse a little bit, but, uh, generally I tend to be pretty active, as you mentioned, Robin, um, that you, that you've seen my Instagram. So, yeah, um, and I try to, I try to, um, give little tips and pieces of myself and balance that, as I see a lot of therapists in private practice do also, it's, you know, how do you let people know who you are, but also, you know, share information that is helpful for other people. So anyway, that's where you can find me.
1: <laughs> Yay. So what I'll do is, um I'll put that in the show notes, I'll put the links for both for your Instagram and your website. Um That way, the listeners can just click on it. And it's like super easy to go to. Okay, great. Yay! Well, thank you so much for doing this and for being here. This was really informative, really helpful. I hope um, the listeners reach out to you so that they can engage in some self-care and also have like a, this sounds like a really good experience too that you provide for them, honestly.
0: I hope so. I hope so. That's my goal. My goal isn't just to write words for you. It's to make it an experience that is a good one and that keeps you wanting to either come back or refer me or just like, just like therapists, right? That's, you know, you want to make a good experience for your clients on top of doing the work that you do.
1: Definitely. Definitely. It's very helpful. Very helpful. Well, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Take care. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guests are listed in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram, Pod. Also, This podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.